everybody, how's it going? This is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Teen Titans Wasteland. Boy, have I had a crazy week. The answer to that question is no, I have not had a crazy week. It's been fairly run-of-the-mill. I'm sorry to have misled you. Anyway, let's get on with the program. If you're out of lick, a time to make some gin shop trips. And now it's time for a synopsis. Synopsis. Teen Titans number 37. February, 1972. The Scourge of the Skeletal Riders. Written by Bob Haney, drotted by George Tusca, with inks by Nick Carty. Teen Titan Roll Call. Mal. Speedy. Lilith. Wonder Girl. Robin. Kid Flash. The gang receives an urgent message from Mr. Jupiter, the richest and therefore most trustworthy man in the world. Robin keeps yelling at Lilith to drive the van faster, so naturally she crashes it into a tree. Thanks, Robin. The Titans stumble across an old-timey blacksmith, a giant shirtless bald man who talks like he's at Renfair. Only, you know, not stoned. The good news is, he can totally fix their van. The bad news is, it's gonna be a while because he has to finish another job first. Making horseshoes for these four giant horses that are tied up out back. Four horses, eh? More like four... shadowing? Huh? The teens hitch a ride back to Jupiter Labs. Seems like Kid Flash could have done that thing where he sweeps the Titans up in a giant gust of wind and floats them there, but maybe he took another vow not to use his powers that afternoon. When they arrive at the lab, Jupiter has some devastating news. Grady Dawes is dead. No! Not Grady Dawes! Wait, who the fuck is Grady Dawes? Apparently, Grady is a teenage cameraman who has been with the Teen Titans on a ton of adventures when we weren't looking. He was basically their best friend. And now he's dead. Well, probably. Mr. J informs his young protégés that Grady has gone missing while covering the civil war in Ranistan, a Middle Eastern country that appears to be a mashup of Iran and Pakistan. Hey Jupiter, maybe don't lead with he's dead if you're not 100% on that. It's kind of bad manners. The Titans head off to Ranistan to look for their best pal. Mr. J says he would go with them, but he's busy, so he won't. Fair enough. When the costumed teens arrive in the war-torn country, they are greeted by the American ambassador who warns them not to interfere in the Civil War. The Teen Titans agree, then jump in their helicopter, and proceed to interfere in the Civil War. Oh, Titans. They spot a Ranistan cavalry regiment who are about to get ambushed by some rebel tanks. They tell the group's leader about the tanks, but he's all like, Shut up, there aren't any tanks! And then orders his soldiers to charge. Kid Flash decides to run ahead and warn the soldiers about the tanks. You know, like they just did. But before he can reach them to deliver his urgent, redundant message, he is chased down by a giant figure on a super-fast horse. Hmm. The mounted marauder bonks him on the head with the flat of his sword and knocks him into a river. The Ranistan government forces are all slaughtered. Dang. The Titans next head to the town of Curzan, which is held by rebel forces. When they arrive, they find that the people of Curzan are starving to death and unable to get their food stores that are in a nearby stronghold. The teens offer to get the food for them if they are given safe passage to the Eagle's Nest Fortress where they have learned that Grady is being kept. So, I guess he's not dead after all. Hooray! Also, once again, great job not interfering in the Civil War. Man, the Titans are so bad at vows. The young heroes manage to sneak into the stronghold and load the food onto wagons. But, as they prepare to transport the supplies to the starving rebels, they are attacked. By a giant bird carrying a torch in its mouth. Wow, don't see that every day. Speedy shoots the bird, but it transforms into a giant flying horse being ridden by a cloaked figure carrying some balancing scales. Hmm. 
The Flying Horseman beats up the teens and burns all the food. Snap. The Titans realize that they are up against the legendary Four Horsemen. Ric Flair, Arn and Ole Anderson, and Tully Blanchard? No, not the pro wrestling Four Horsemen. The only slightly less legendary biblical Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. I gotta say, the Titans figured that out a lot sooner than I thought they would. Well, except Robin, who is still convinced that there must be a reasonable scientific explanation for a giant bird carrying a torch in its mouth turning into a flying horse with a pale rider on its back, who carries a set of balancing scales. You know what, good luck with that, Robin. The starving rebels are surprisingly cool about getting all their food blown up, and they decide to give the Titans safe passage to Grady's prison at Eagle's Nest anyway, on the grounds that the Titans did their best. Aww. On their way to Eagle's Nest, the Titans spot a broken-down ambulance. Turns out that it is filled with a serum to treat the typhoid epidemic that is ravaging the mountain tribes of Ranistan. The Titans agree to deliver the serum, but are super worried that the typhoid is the work of the third horseman, Plague, who I always thought was called Pestilence. Robin tells them that they're being silly. Spoiler, they aren't. Their helicopter is shot down, and the gang is forced to continue their humanitarian mission on foot. Some old guy riding a donkey shows up and tells them that he knows a shortcut. He leads them to a rickety old bridge, and when the teens are halfway across, the apparent Good Samaritan changes his form and reveals himself to be Plague. The apocalyptic asshole destroys the bridge, leaving the Titans hanging from a cliffside and letting the medicine wash away in the river below. Robin is finally convinced that their adversaries are none other than the Four Horsemen. Fortunately, someone else shows up just in time to take over being unreasonably skeptical. Mr. Jupiter has apparently finished whatever important business he was busy with. He shows up in one of his spare helicopters and tells his youthful wards that there's no such thing as the Four Horsemen. Well, that's a relief. The team once again flies off to Eagle's Nest to rescue good old Grady. On their way, they see a couple of war refugees, a mother and young child. But who's that pursuing the refugees? Well, I'll give you a couple of clues. He's riding a pale horse. He's wielding a scythe. He's the fourth horseman of the apocalypse. And his name rhymes with Smith. That's right, it's Beth. Just kidding, it's Death. The Titans swoop down. Robin punches Death right in his skeletor-looking face, and Kid Flash manages to snatch the mother and child up and scoop them into the helicopter. Nice work, guys. The good news is, turns out that unlike Famine, Death can't fly. Hooray. The bad news is that when they get to Eagle's Nest, they find out that Death rode on ahead of them and tricked the guards into shooting Grady. The Titans' bestest pal ever is dead after all. The distraught teens head back to America. When they return to pick up their van, they find a modern garage has replaced the mysterious blacksmith they encountered at the beginning of their tragic tale. The mechanic informs them that their blacksmith forge out back hasn't been used for over 30 years. Oh really? Then how is Kid Flash able to run back and snatch a still-glowing ember from the forge, huh? As the Titans speed home in their newly repaired van... Kid Flash carelessly tosses the glowing ember out the window. Not cool, Wally. Before the red-hot coal goes on to no doubt cause a devastating forest fire, it flares up into a fiery silhouette of four mighty horses, each with a flaming rider. I think the moral of this story is that diamonds are forever, and so are the four horsemen. Woo! Then we have a backup story, which is reprinted from Adventure Comics number 258, March 1959. Superboy Meets the Young Green Arrow Written by Jerry Coleman, drawn by George Papp Teen Titan Roll Call Nobody! There are no Teen Titans in this issue, although they did recolor Young Green Arrow's costume to look like Speedy's costume for some reason. In the original printing it was green, and this one it's red and yellow. Kinda weird. 
Superboy is trying to invent a machine that will let him snoop on events of the past, only he fucks up and it snoops on events of the future. What an idiot. He ends up watching future footage of Green Arrow doing some awesome archery stuff and is super impressed. He keeps watching and learns that Green Arrow's secret identity is Oliver Queen. The next day in school, a new kid shows up in Clark Kent's class. A young Oliver Queen. What a coincidence! Why is a millionaire family sending their son to a public school in a small town in Kansas? Clark decides it must be fate, and that it is up to him to get young Ollie interested in archery. Fortunately, the Smallville history pageant is coming up. You know, where high school students spend the day dressed as historical figures? That thing that totally exists? Clark dresses as Wyatt Earp and convinces Ollie to dress as Robin Hood, figuring that if he can get a bow into the future Green Arrow's hands, then his work is halfway done. Also, Robin Hood? Totally a historical figure. Who wears a bright red and yellow outfit for some reason. Some grown-up dude shows up dressed as Jesse James and starts shooting at Clark, claiming to hate Wyatt Earp. Clark gets Ollie to try to foil the outlaw using archery. Only there's a problem. Ollie totally sucks at archery. He accidentally shoots a milk truck. Clark changes into his super duds and fixes the hole in the milk truck. The truck is being driven by a dude named Brand who owns a horse ranch just outside of town. More on him later. Meanwhile, more assholes dressed as historical figures are attacking kids dressed as their counterparts. Some jerk dressed as Mordred is trying to stab a kid dressed as King Arthur. You know, those historical figures, Mordred and King Arthur. Ollie bops Mordred with a rock, but Superboy's disappointed that he didn't use his archery. Supes grabs Ollie's bow and does some tricky shooting to show young Mr. Queen how cool arrows are. Ollie is impressed, but even more bummed out at how much he sucks at archery. Way to go, Clark. The two teen pals foil a Sheriff of Nottingham wannabe by dumping apples on him, and Ollie comes up with a clever plan to stop a guy dressed as a Cherokee chief who is attacking a kid dressed as Daniel Boone. Ollie grabs the powder horn from the Daniel Boone guy and dumps gunpowder all over a bunch of flint arrowheads he strews around. He reckons that when the horseshoes hit the arrowheads, it will make sparks and ignite the gunpowder. A few things about that. First, that is super clever. But more importantly, what the fuck? You're just going to blow up a guy and his horse? Also, why the fuck is a high school kid walking around with actual gunpowder as part of his costume? Not cool. Anyway, fortunately, the plan doesn't work. For some reason, the horseshoes fail to cause sparks when they step on the arrows. Weird. That brand guy who was driving the milk truck from before shows up and tells the cops that the guys fucking with the high school kids were workers on his ranch, who were just playing a joke and trying to scare the town. Yeah, I can see how shooting at high school kids might scare the town. Great prank. Well, his employees' totally harmless shenanigans made Brand miss the chance to put his horses on the boat that he was supposed to load them on to sell them overseas. He'd like Superboy's help to fly the horses over to the boat that they missed. Soups agrees, but as soon as he gets the horses on the boat, he turns the boat around and pushes it back to the shore. Wait, what gives? Also, how is there a seaport in Kansas? It turns out that Brand was using the horses to smuggle stolen gold out of the country. He had the gold melted down, turned it into horseshoes, painted it black, and put it on the horse's feet. Then he had his employees stir up trouble in town, because... Well, heck, just because, I guess. Fortunately, when the horseshoes striking the flint arrowheads failed to explode, Superboy was able to figure out the whole unnecessarily convoluted scheme, which is pretty impressive seeing as how 
I could barely figure out the scheme even after Superboy told us what it was. Oliver returns the Robin Hood costume and apologizes for being the shittiest archer in the world. How ironic. Seriously though, isn't Kansas landlocked? And joining us once again is my good for many things brother, Corey. Corey, how's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you going? Doing? I'm going and doing quite well, thank you for asking. No problem. So, what'd you think? I feel like I keep saying this, but wow, there's a lot going on. There is a lot going on. It's a kooky issue, man. Kooky and dark, which is not a combination you get all that often. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd say that the darkness and kind of spookiness of the first part is certainly offset by the, the goofiness and the, the 1950s feel of yeah. the second story. The second story is weird, and there's overall something happening in this issue that I'm actually kind of curious about, and I have a theory, and I would like it if maybe one of our listeners could call in and let us know, or I guess you don't have my phone number, but you could write me a letter. <laughs> one thing that maybe should be pointed out at this point is that we are enjoying beverages made with alcohol and alcohol. Woohoo! It is a combination of whiskey and alcoholic ginger ale, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But what I'm curious about is, I suspect this issue may have a new colorist, mm -hmm. because the colors of a few things seemed off, mm -hmm. or at least very different. The most glaring one is in the backup feature, which they were recoloring all of the reprints at this point, or at least most of them, just because it was cheaper for them to do it that way. And I don't know if this is on purpose or not, but they colored Young Green Arrow, mm -hmm. who was in this issue... They gave him Speedy's costume. Mm -hmm. They made him red and yellow. And in the original comic book, it was green. He's dressed as Robin Hood. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not sure if that was on purpose to make it look like a Speedy backup story. No, it doesn't jive with the panel in which the uh, fake sheriff of Nottingham is, is calling him like a... Emerald clad. Yeah, no, it definitely, in the original, definitely, he was wearing green clothes. And mm. I've seen some pictures of the original. And yeah, they, they gave him Speedy's costume. I think to make it look more like a Teen Titan thing, but I don't know if that was a mistake or if they did that on purpose. The other thing is there's a few panels in which I th it's Lilith appears only in silhouette. And the way the rest of the panel is drawn, it wouldn't make sense that she would just be dark and the other characters in it aren't just shadow. Mm. And my suspicion is that they accidentally had colored in Wonder Girl instead of Lilith. Mm. And then due to time constraints or something, they decided to just like, oh shit, let's just make this person uh, a shadow. Mm. And also Mal's skin tone seems very different in this issue than it has in, in others. Mm -hmm. But that's my theory. If anybody has more specific knowledge about the coloring situation at DC in the 1972, I would like to hear about it. Fair enough. Thank you. Yeah, but on to the, the story. Mm. Man. I just feel like this, it's not a really a cliffhanger, but it's totally not resolved either. What isn't resolved? Well, I guess I just didn't really understand the point of the tangling with the four horsemen. And, like, was there going to be, like, some lesson learned out of it, or... I think the closest the... you get to a lesson is when Jupiter says something along the lines of, well, you can't really defeat the four horsemen, but if you try and use all your cunning, you can sometimes divert them a little bit. And that it's supposed to just be like, yeah, you can't, yeah, yeah, you just have to do your best. It's it's almost like a Norse mythology lesson where it's like, you know, Ragnarok's gonna happen. <laughs> all the gods are gonna die, but it's still important that you try your best. Because... Regardless of the fact that we are all doomed. Because of Ragnarok. Yep. And Maybe I'm reading a bit much into that. Yeah, it, I don't know. It's, uh, that 
It was it was an interesting sort of like um, thing to move the story forward. You're like, oh, when is the next horseman going to pop up? I see what they're doing. It was I was actually impressed that they figured it out by the second horseman. Uh, I, I feel like normally in a story like this, it would take until like the third or fourth one and they would get it at the f- very end, if at all. Mm-hmm. But it's no, as soon as famine shows up, they're like, dude, these are the four horsemen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Robin's just like, no, they're not. I don't believe in horsemen. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as superstition. Like, Stop saying that, you guys. Stop it. Yeah, just, that's not what's going on. Probably, they just had these scales to weigh food. And what's interesting is there's almost like a tag team skepticism going on. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as Robin is finally convinced, like, no, these are actually the four horsemen. Then Mr. Jupiter shows up and is just like, there's no such thing as horsemen. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, shit, we got rid of our skeptical character too soon. We better bring in a different one who said that he was busy beforehand. Yeah, but okay. So the other thing that I didn't understand, even if they are just a, like a plot device about them, is so at the beginning of the story, they they meet this old timey, bald, very sad blacksmith. Yeah. Who's got the, these these four crazy horses? Right, that, that he has to make shoes for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they bang up their their VW. He's going to fix it for him. They, right, they... which is pretty rad of a blacksmith to do. Oh yeah, blacksmith guy is super. Oh, he's on it. I would love to read a back a, like a spinoff story starring mythical blacksmith. Yeah. However, though, after all this unfolds and they get back, they find out that okay, so basically he was the those were the four that was the foreshadowing. Yeah, for the four horses, but. It wasn't in Ranistan. Yeah, Ranistan. Ranistan. I think it's supposed to be a mashup of Iran and Pakistan. Mm-hmm. I appreciated what they were doing by, you know, tying in the, the foreshadowing right. at the right. beginning. And but making it, but... it the, it was all a dream, or was it? Well, see, that's the thing, because it makes it seem like there was some significant point that I should be getting about why all this stuff happened. Like, these the, the Titans were sent to this country to have this adventure and deal with these horsemen. Yeah. And at the end, you know, it's like, what is it, Speedy? It's just like, yeah, I found a hot ember from the... Uh... That wasn't Speedy, that was Kid Flash. That was he Kid used his super speed and he was juggling a hot ember. Yeah. Well, she just throws out the window of the bus into the forest on the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my I didn't God. even think of You're that. totally going to cause a forest fire. Yeah, they were cooler with forest fires back then. But, the, but, the, but again, to the whole point of, what's the point? Like, okay... So mythical blacksmith guy foreshadows. Mm-hmm. There's there's the four horsemen. You go back and new blacksmith guy. That's not the old one. Fixes who's just a mechanic now. Right. The forge hasn't been active forever. Yeah, there hasn't. <laughs> she hasn't lived here for thirty years. Mm, yes. But then they find the ember, which proves him wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, like, that's that's the so. So the mechanic part mm-hmm. is the part where it was all a dream, and then the ember is the or was it. It's very strange. Is this a... I didn't catch the credits. Is this a It's a Bob story? story. Okay. It's a 100% Never mind. Haney. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think that generally there is, like, a, a larger point necessarily to it other than, yeah, you do your best. And that's what's important. Mm-hmm. And they weren't able to save their pal Grady, who was their best friend in mm-hmm. the whole world, who we had never seen before, who they totally retconned into this issue. Mm-hmm. Which I actually kind of enjoyed, but was also... When they first introduced him, I was like... Am I supposed to remember this guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, the same thing. They talked about their adventures that they had with him, and I was like, "When we fought the dragonfly, we didn't even know that he was there." And I was like, "Wait a minute, there's a the dragonfly? That guy looked pretty cool." Yeah, pretty I know. Cool. I wanted to learn more about the dragonfly. Yeah, and Lewis hit and run accident. 
She's a bad driver. She crashes the van in the first. She doesn't crash the van. That's Robin. What? Isn't there Mal or somebody who's like, look out, Lilith. You're right. Robin's yelling at her to go faster. And she's saying it's not a Ferrari. Yeah. Right? Like, chill out, man. And then she hits the tree. Yeah, and then, okay, you're totally right. I'm so it's so Robin's sorry. fault. It's Robin's fault. <laughs> and then she's driving. And then Mal says, nice crinkle fender job. Which, his turns of phrase are normally that is just really, really, really good. Yeah, that one's just awkward. This issue, he's a little off. Yeah. Robin's like, yeah, Mal, the wheel's jammed, and that jams us up. We've got to get to the lap. It's like, dude, how about a, a, a quick mea culpa? Yeah. I'm sorry I made Lilith crash the van. It's a good yeah. thing she didn't kill that guy in the hit and run. I know. God, yeah. They are making her out to be a, not the best driver. You are totally mm-hmm. right. I I was just remembering that I was mad at Robin. <laughs> it's it's, it's that's, easy that's to remember. Enough. Yeah. There's a lot of good causes to be mad at him in this. So, yeah, they introduced this Grady Dawes character who I guess was like almost their sidekick as a photographer. They've known him for years and he's their best friend. Yep. Good war journalist. Yeah. Also war just photographer. All around photographer. Mm. He's a real Jimmy Olsen. And yeah, right now he's doing a war story in Ranistan, and he's missing and presumed dead. Although the way Mr. Jupiter tells them, it's so insensitive. <laughs> They're looking at the footage that he's shooting, that he sent from Ranistan, I guess. I keep wanting to call it Iranistan. Eh, go for it, man. But that, that just seems wrong. Yeah, you're right, it is. Yeah, and Wonder Girl's like, I don't like the scene he's making. And Mr. Jupiter, and remember, this is the guy they've just established as a very close friend of theirs, says... You're right, Lilith. Grady's making a bad scene. His last. <laughs> <laughs> when you read it like that, I, I read it more somber. But when you read it like that, he sounds like he's... Even if you're making it somber, the fact that he is parroting her <clears throat> slang back at her makes it insensitive, I think. Like, it is a bad scene. His last scene. Yeah, no, it, 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 I get it. It's off. Mm-hmm. But then after that, isn't he like... Go now, save him, save him, try yeah. really hard. Well, yeah, he says, yeah, go save him. I'm busy. <laughs> well, he's the richest man in the world. Yeah, I think he could take a vacation if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. I don't know, managing all that money is going to be a full-time <laughs> job. He's, he's probably just swimming through that shit Scrooge McDuck style. Yeah. That's probably what he's doing, mm-hmm. that he's so damn busy. Yeah. And safeguarding his lucky dime against the Beagle Boys. So then they show up in uh, Ranistan. You almost said it. I totally did. <laughs> and the ambassador there, reasonably, I think, tells them, like, okay, guys, don't get involved in the Civil War. Yep. Because you're, you're not ar- supposed to get involved in Civil Wars. Your government wants nothing to do with it. Right. And they're like, okay. And then they immediately get super involved in the Civil War on both sides. Fortunately for them, both sides, really nice guys. <laughs> really nice guys who are killing each other horribly. But not... The, uh, but not the Titans. The Titans. They're like totally cool with whatever these guys want to do. Yeah, pretty cool. The The government force is less cool than the rebels, I gotta say. Because they show up with the government forces and they tell the guys, look out, there's tanks there. Yeah. The guy says, ah, eh, fuck you guys, there's no such thing as tanks. Yeah. Orders the cavalry to charge. Yeah. Then Kid Flash's plan is, I'm gonna run up ahead of those guys and let them know that there's tanks. Guess what, dude? You already let them know that there are tanks. They're not gonna listen. His plan is to tell them that there are tanks, and he already told them that there are tanks. Well, the way that I looked at it was, he was, they told the guy in charge, who was like, ah, fuck you guys, we're attacking anyway. But maybe he was like, I'm going to run around to the infantry at the front, which are the guys that normally get shit on and everything. And yeah. just be like, hey guys, there's tanks up there, and then maybe they'd be like, oh, fuck that. I don't think they would, man. I mean, they're very brave. But, yeah, brave and <clears throat> stupid. Yeah, not As is pointed tanks. out. 
<laughs> yep. So as as he's racing there, then there's magical horses catching up on him, and he's kid flash. That shit shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. I like that War is big hearted enough that he just bonks him on the head with the blunt side with the blunt his, side uh, of his magical war sword. I was worried about that though because I think the sound effect was something like sploosh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take a look at that. Maybe that was when he fell in the water afterwards. But there was there was a, a, a disturbingly wet sounding. Okay, it's it's swoosh, swoosh. Okay, okay, that's better. Yeah, it's swoosh followed by clap, clap. Oh, okay. So so it is the blunt edge of the sword. Yeah. Because at first I was like, oh my god, he just cleaved um, Kid Flash's yeah. head. And, and I mean, he's he, a fairly benevolent war, but not entirely because he is also laughing his ass off as he does this. All of the horsemen. Yeah, they are, think it's real. They love their work. Yep. They really are into that shit. They cackle maniacally. Very much so. I, I do like Wonder Girl is just like, I've never seen anything so brave or so stupid. Mm. And Robin's response is, war is stupid. Anyway. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah. A little commentary. A little commentary, but also it just very much glosses over the fact that they just, he's a, war is stupid. Come on, let's go find Kid Flash. That's actually, they just saw a lot of people die. Socially, too, where is America at at this point? So, 72 is... I, I can't remember if Vietnam is, is wrapping yep. up or like no, getting kind of yeah. really bad at that point, right? Yeah, one good. So, I wonder if there's that. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, they, they also... The van that Lilith crashes has gotten even more a hippie van than it was before. I think it says, like... Peace. Peace and it's. I almost gave it the air horn. It's not quite a picket sign, but it says love and peace and has a peace sign and a flower, and then a ton of flowers on top. Yeah. If I can't bend the picket sign rule, you can't. That's you didn't fair. bend the picket sign rule. You broke it, Corey. You just set off an air horn for no goddamn reason, where there were no picket signs. It was a different reason, but yes, I did break it. That is, yeah. it is more. Yeah, that is not bending that. a rule. The cover it. I did not know it was going to be about the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, because it's called The Scourge of the Skeletal Riders. Yeah, and um, the guy sitting up in the corner doesn't look like what you think of death. He's got that a is... Funny hat. <laughs> funny hat. He's got a funny hat. Yeah, no. He does have a scythe, though. Yeah. And he's riding a horse, so... Yeah, but the funny hat threw me. I always think of the... The, the, the death is like the Grim Reaper. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, he is. There's actually... Uh, like uh, that uh, Pierce Anthony novel on a, a horse. <laughs> I actually thought about that a lot during <laughs> Me too. Yeah, that guy seems like a creep. Um, <laughs> there's. It is weird that they were able to... Like, they were able to defeat death. and Or at least divert him into mm. killing their friend. Think- which there is a matter of, like, was that predestined... Well, that was the or, that, that was the lesson that I took away from it. Oh, the lesson that I took away from it was that they were able to divert it, and they were able to save the woman and child from from death. But it diverted and killed Grady instead, and that he would have wanted it that way. And that was the part of Mister Jupiter's lesson that was like, "But you have to try your best because they were able to save a woman and child's life." Yeah, which is nice. Better to save two people than one person. Well, if one of them's little, especially. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that settles it. This I'm okay with this. Hey! <laughs> These drinks are strong. They are. <laughs> but yeah, they were able to... Kid Flash was able to outrun death, and so was a helicopter. And like, once they got on the helicopter, it's like, eh, well, death can't get us now. Where, hmm. I think it was... Dubious. Was it pestilence that turned into a giant bird? Uh, that was famine turned into uh, the giant bird. Plague turned into... 
plague, but was an old man on a donkey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, donkey guy. Yeah. Yeah, no, the uh, an eagle carrying a torch in its mouth, and then a little, it's just like, kill that thing, kill it, shoot the bird, the <laughs> yeah. thing is evil as fuck. And, and Speedy's like, yeah, I will kill that fucking bird. Yeah. That bird is a dick. And then that bird turned into the incarnation of immortality riding a winged horse. Mm-hmm. That was the name of the Pierce Anthony series. Yes, it was. That's Incarnations of Immortality. Okay. I said, no, what I meant to say was it turned into the uh, incarnation of pestilence. Yeah. That was pestilence. Or plague. Yeah. Plague. They call it plague. I'm used to thinking of it as pestilence. I don't know of which is more biblically accurate. Are they the same thing? Pestilence and plague, kind of. Mm. Sickness, disease. Plague, I think of as being a more specific disease, but mm-hmm. it isn't necessarily. I think I always think of it as, you know, totally bubonic. There's a nice scene, too, where Kid Flash jumps on when he saves them. Uh, he's like, ah, I'm escaping one grim chopper with another. Because mm-hmm. death is using its side. Although there's nothing particularly grim about the helicopter. Guess not, but he did get to use the chopper pun. Yeah, it was a bit of a stretch. I get it, Wally. Nice work. So then we get the backup story. Uh, it's written by Jerry Coleman and drawn by George Papp. Cool artwork. Mm-hmm. Crazy ass story. When you read these old stories, you totally see where Haney cut his teeth. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. needlessly, so needlessly complicated, the scheme. Mm-hmm. I like that Superboy is inventing a time machine. Yeah. Everybody can invent time machines back here. Well, his was more of a time observation machine, right? Sure. And it wasn't working right because he wanted to use it to look at the past. Mm-hmm. See, Here's where I think Superboy... I was like, man, there are no Teen Titans in this backup story. I don't know if we should even review it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Superboy creates a time machine specifically to eavesdrop, mm-hmm. I think makes him at least an honorary Teen Titan. And they did color in young Green Arrow's outfit to make him look like Speedy. I'm so glad you said that because I was struggling to identify a favorite Titan. But we'll get into that later. <laughs> They did kind of a lousy job as a whole in the first story. I felt yeah, like they failed I, I, at basically I everything one. they set out to do. Yeah, but I kind of like that. I, you know, it, it's it builds character. Sure, that's why I worry about this Draymond Green. He he's a basketballman who plays for the Golden State Warriors. Um, he's played his whole career in like the best team maybe in NBA history, and he's starting to act like more and more of a dick. And I feel like he uh, he needs to go through some losing shit and build mm. character. Well. So, I'm, I'm saying the Titans are going to maybe come out of this stronger, better. Maybe Speedy will stop being such a dick. Maybe. Although, at this point, it is canonical that he is in the throes of heroin addiction. By now? Yep. So, he's like, what, like 19 or so? Oh, if that. Damn. I'm just saying he's he's on the junk. That's rough. Yeah. That's why he couldn't shoot that bird. Well, he did shoot the time. bird. Oh, it didn't. An incarnation of immortality. You can't shoot that <laughs> within a regular arrow. No Even way. A special arrow. No, man. Like perhaps a boomerang arrow. Yeah. Because of um, Demesons and Bailiwicks. Mm. These are words that Piers Anthony uses in all of his books that I have never heard anywhere else. Um, yeah. Superboy makes a time machine mm-hmm. so that he can see into the past mm-hmm. to find out what crimes had been committed. Mm-hmm. Which... I think he just was trying to invent, like, video recorders, because those let you look into the past. I don't know. But it ends up mis- uh, misfiring, and he looks into the future, and he sees Green Arrow, and, like, Green Arrow's putting on a clinic. Mm-hmm. And he's like, man, this guy's really good at bow and arrows. Mm-hmm. Bow and arrows are rad. Mm-hmm. I'm super into this. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of fun. He gets very enthusiastic about Green Arrow. 
sees that Green Arrow's secret identity is Oliver Queen. Yep. And then, later that day, Oliver Queen moves to town. Here's what's weird about that. Oliver Queen is like a billionaire. He's super rich. Super duper billionaire. Yeah. And why is he moving to Smallville? Why is he moving to a small town in Kansas? I had the same question. I don't think that's part of his backstory is that he lived there either. My assumption was that he made his fortune later in life because he didn't arrive with the trappings of a gazillionaire. He didn't, but it was an inheritance. Oh, maybe he hadn't gotten it yet, or it was in a trust or something. And some. But he's still living by himself as a teenager? We're making the assumption he's living by himself. Well, I mean, he's not rich. You're saying that he doesn't have any of the trappings of wealth because he hasn't inherited it yet. Presumably his parents would have that wealth. Or, or a trust or a, a guardian or something, and they're just like, ah, we'll send him to Kansas until he's 18, and then we'll give him his gazillion We'll send dollars. him to a public school in Kansas. To toughen him because up. that's what the wealthy do. Learn him a lesson. Yeah, well, they're eccentric. But yeah, that seemed a little bit off. And then there was some kind of a costume parade? It was a uh, history celebration. Oh, yeah, the big history fest. Yeah. <laughs> I really like the idea of that. I kind of would prefer that to Halloween if we just had a big history fest every year mm-hmm. and then you dress up like historical figures, you know, mm-hmm. like Robin Hood. Yeah. Um, you know, from history. Sure. There is a historical basis for a character who may have been Robin Hood. He may have been part of the Welsh resistance, uh, as was perhaps King Arthur or the basis of King Arthur. But that's pretty tenuous. But both King Arthur... <laughs> And Robin Hood are treated as historical figures in this, which does make sense because canonically in the DC universe, I believe they are part of history. So I just backtracked and talked myself into being cool with that. Good. Yeah. That was a fun little trip. Yeah. Hope you liked it. That was a good time. Yeah. So part of the needlessly complicated criminal enterprise, which you touched on earlier, was various uh, bad guys dressing up as the historical kind of um, antagonist to the historical protagonist sure. of the kids that were dressed right. up. So we've got uh, Jesse James and, uh, and uh, what was it? Uh, Mordred. Or, no. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. You got Mordred, you got Jesse James, you got the Sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah, okay. So did they also have access to Superboy's future device? Or was there a list of like what the kids were going to be dressing up as so they would know which bad guys to dress up as? Well, or did they just guess? I think that was just guessing, like... You know, who are some big shot history people that kids would like to dress up as? Mm -hmm. I think they can put that together. Maybe they had a list of the costumes. That part of the plot was one of those double bluffs that seemed unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Because that was the guys from the bad guys milk factory. (laughs) Or ranch. And they each singled out the kid that was dressed up as... Right, and decided to attack him and try to kill him. Which, the guy who was their boss at the ranch is like... Ah, that's just them blowing off steam. Anyway, they're really putting me behind. (laughs) They just wanted to dress up and scare the town. Yeah. (laughs) By killing these children. Yeah, that would scare the town. They're committed. (laughs) You gotta appreciate that on a certain level. Sure. But the whole thing, it's so unnecessarily complicated. But the connection between the two stories is horseshoes. Did you just get that? Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is the horseshoe issue of the Teen Titans. Because, yeah, they wanted to smuggle gold into the country by painting it black and shoeing horses with it. Mm-hmm. So that can easily smuggle... And riding them all around. Like a pound of gold. <laughs> yeah. Which is worth a lot of money, I guess. But 
It's a lot of trouble to go through. It's a lot of trouble to go through. And seems like a bad plan. And For like $1,600. But, well, especially by the time... Were they trying to get the gold out of the country? They were trying to get the... Was it the horses? They were trying to get the horses out of the country. Well, but the gold was on the horses. <clears throat> That's what they were trying to get. Was it out of the country? Yeah, I thought... I thought. Oh, yeah, you're right. Because I thought maybe they were trying to smuggle it into the country. No, the gold was like, like a side benefit because the horses were also a rare breed of horses. Yeah. They wanted to sell. Maybe? <laughs> no, I don't think that's the case. It was okay. a weird plan. That doesn't make any sense because I, well, okay. I don't know much Why about... Why don't you think it made sense? Well, so, I mean, I'm not a horse guy. So. Okay. You, you mean a centaur? Uh, no, I mean somebody that, that uh, buys and sells horses. So you are a centaur? No, I'm not that either. Okay. but uh, So in any sense of the word, you're not a horse guy. I, I have ridden one once. A horse? Yeah. After your bad experience with Misty the Pony? Yeah, it was so scary. It was tall, too. I had to get on this giant like log to be able to stand up to get on it. But it was cool after that. I'm, I'm not a fan of, of horses. They're so, scary. It, it, yeah. Their heads are enormous. It's true. To wit, a horse is probably pretty expensive. Yeah. Just the head alone is huge. <laughs> so it does not make sense to me that like gold is valuable for sure, but what, it's like three, four hundred bucks an ounce? I don't, I have no idea what the you price get, of gold you, you is. You got probably a couple ounces in a in a horseshoe. I feel like a gold bar is worth a lot and the amount of like horseshoes are heavy. Alright. And they're pretty big. If you had a solid gold horseshoe, that would be a fair chunk of change. Alright, so let's say we got we got four horseshoes. Had four ounces a piece. That's a that's a. Where are you getting that a horseshoe is four ounces? That's a pound of gold. That is per okay. Horse. First of all, so <laughs> that is not. Just hear me out. A horseshoe does not weigh four ounces. We have pitched horseshoes. Those are, did that seem like that different. weighed a quarter of a pound? Those are different. Those are uh, sport horseshoes. They're <laughs> different than than than, uh, <laughs> than regulation. Sure. <laughs> than work horseshoes. Yeah. So okay, we got we got a pound of gold. Let's say it's four hundred bucks. You got you got like four horses, sixteen hundred bucks total in gold. The horse itself is going to be worth more than four hundred bucks because they're so big. You just made up all of the math on that, though. You made up how much you think gold costs, and you made up how much you think a horseshoe weighs. Well, it's all hypothetical, but I'm just saying <laughs> that the horses are probably worth more. I'm than not the gold. disagreeing with you that this is. I I think that the the amount of gold that would be in four horseshoes would be worth more than a horse at that time. Thank you. No, you were saying the opposite. Oh, I thought you were agreeing <laughs> with me. Well, that's an interesting assumption to make. <laughs> I thought you said I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing with you that it's a needlessly complicated scheme and there's a better way to go about it, but I do think that the amount of gold to make four horseshoes... Because we are pigeon horseshoes. I think a horseshoe is like... <laughs> You're still hung up on the math. Don't worry about that. You're using the math to prove a point. <laughs> <laughs> so if you change the math, and your math is how much the horse... Yeah. You have a fine career ahead of you in politics. Thank you. It's a stupid plan, though. That's, I mean, it's, that's my point. It's so not as stupid a plan as, like, the Christmas episode <clears throat> where they had the... That was the stupidest plan ever, probably. Yeah, that I'm going to turn this junk into new stuff. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to turn this new stuff into junk and then turn it back into junk. New stuff. New stuff and sell it at a profit. 
Because mm-hmm. I don't want to pay tariffs. Because I have a ray that will make anything. That will make junk into new stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the best way to profit off of it. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. That's a, then a milk truck driving criminal should get together with the junkyard having criminal, and oh, they yeah. would just do a bad job. I like that he, I mean, I give it to this guy, though. He's a billionaire criminal. At least millionaire, because he's got all those horses and all that gold. And he owns a ranch. Mm-hmm. And a milk factory. Mm-hmm. Wait, is that horse milk? <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> I don't think that's supposed to be, but... Yeah, I, lo- I love how Superman fixes the milk truck, too. It's blow- blowing pitch. By blowing sap into <laughs> the hole of it. Yeah. But what I was going to say is, I like that he is a hands-on boss who drives his own semi-full of milk. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, okay, you've got the semi-full of milk, maybe you could just put the gold in, like, the hubcaps of the truck. Or in the the cargo hold. Yeah. I did it in the milk. Put it up your butt. <laughs> or, or that. But There's so many different ways to get gold from one place to another that is not on horses. That's true. Ah. That guy. Mm. He, he uh, got figured out, though. That Superboy. Yeah. He's sharp. No yeah. flies on him. No, sir. He's also, like apparently everyone with superpowers, one of those superpowers is being really, really good at archery. Because Superboy's a great archer, too. Mm-hmm. And he just does all of these crazy, like, arrow shots. Mm-hmm. Like, shoots a kite out of the sky. Mm-hmm. And then... Makes a ladder Makes out of a ladder arrows. out of arrows for people to climb down. I did like to... Did you notice? Young Oliver Queen decides, I'm no good at these bow and arrow things. Mm. Which I loved when he put the, made the boxing glove arrow for him out uh, of the... The kid dressed up as Jack Dempsey. I did not go <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Jack Sullivan. Yeah. It didn't go well, but, like, just seeing a little kid dressed up as with a handlebar mustache, mm-hmm. that was really cute. Yeah. Um, and he steals his boxing glove. Yeah, the, making the trick arrows for him and being like, I, I love Superboy's enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. That he's just like, I think archery is great now, and you're going to be really good at this, so I'm going to make you really good at this. And everything should be done with archery. It almost seems like it's going to backfire. Yeah, it doesn't really. Mm. I, I mean, Historic. he never gets any better at it. Uh, Oliver Queen during this story mm-hmm. he hones his archery skills when he's marooned on a desert island mm-hmm. um, yeah. I didn't know if you knew that I'm, I know some things okay I didn't try to I wasn't trying to imply that you don't know anything thank you yeah, All right. <laughs> for not implying that I don't know anything <laughs> but I, yeah I love Superboy's enthusiasm for that but it, it does seem weird that it's just like Kid Flash did that thing where for inexplicably he was a better archer than anybody in the world when they were traveling through time, mm-hmm. it seems like anybody can be really good at archery. It kind of devalues all of your queen's skill set. Mm. But there is a great scene where Ollie is deciding, I'm no good with this bow and arrow in the normal way. So he uses the bow. He throws it over a guy's head as he's riding uh, on horseback and yanks him by his neck off of the horse. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, Green Arrow just killed that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no mention of that later, but there's I don't think there is a way to grab somebody who is galloping on a horse by the neck with a bowstring and not kill them. Yeah, they do gloss over that. I think Superman flies his limp body off to the police station afterwards. <laughs> I think he just flies it out to the ocean. They don't really tell you. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> the ocean. I think 
there may be like a, a uh, cornfield out in Kansas that is very well fertilized. Um, <laughs> the Superboy mishap, Oliver Queen, uh, yeah, cornfield. But it, it's a uh, it's it's fun. I also liked when Superboy used his powers to be basically a skywriter. He holds the banner for the history fair and all of the costumes. Okay, that was just him. costumes, not actual kids. Right? Yeah, that was not actual kids. I I was a bit taken aback too. Fun story, goofy. Smallville seems like a, a delight of a place. It really does. To have grown up. Yeah, I'm I'm happy for Ollie that he got to experience some of his childhood there. Mm-hmm. So, what was your favorite? I, Let, let's do dialogue first. What was your favorite dialogue? My favorite dialogue was from the first story. Okay, and it uh, featured the uh, the mythical blacksmith. And on page two, he's talking about how he's got to get the, the horseshoes done for the uh-huh. horsemen. It turns out that's who his customers are. Right. And he says, if I have them not shod soon, their owners will return and play bad with me. <laughs> yeah, I like that too. That was some nice old timey phrasing. Mm-hmm. It, it's awkward, but I dug it. I had a few. I We already talked about war is stupid. There is a scene where I think it's Kid Flash is talking to... I believe it is Plague in Disguise, okay. who is disguised as an old man riding a donkey. Wait, I think it's Mal, actually, that says it. But he says, right on, Mr. Whiskers. Yeah. <laughs> and it made it sound like he was talking to a kitty cat. Yeah. And I really liked that. That cracked me up as well. There was another... Uh, do you have any more dialogue? Nope. Okay, I had one other, and it's after Grady dies. They find out that Grady has been killed mm-hmm. by the insurgents. Mm-hmm. And Wonder Girl says, "Accidentally, Grady gone. I feel like crying. I know that was weird, right? That bothers me. That's like whenever either my wife or I makes a bad joke, the other one will say to the other, that's very funny. Mm-hmm. Because it's the idea of like, that's not how you respond when something is funny. If it's funny, you laugh at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't say, that's funny. Yeah. And that's like, Wonder Girl, if you feel like you would never say just like, Oh, man, I feel like crying. Mm-hmm. Not gonna. Yeah. But I feel, I recognize that this is when you humans would cry. I'm almost sad. I think she's been hanging out with uh, Robin too much. Oh, shit. Uh, favorite panel? I have two. I have, I have one from each of the stories. Uh, the one from the first story is on page eight. It's Kid Flash getting getting chased by uh, by war, looking absolutely terrified. But what cracks me up about it is the um, like the action words that are drawn into the panel, uh-huh. are, and this recurs throughout the whole issue, and it always cracks me up because it's the most menacing I've ever seen the words clippity-clop <laughs> written. <laughs> yeah, no, that's pretty good. My favorite ones from the, the main story were both horse-related. There's the first scene where you see the four horses of the apocalypse, mm-hmm. where they're in the blacksmith's stable. Mm-hmm. And they're just thrashing around and looking wild, and it's a really nicely drawn picture. Yeah, that is good. And the other one is after uh, Kid Flash starts the forest fire, it's he throws the glowing ember out of the van, and it, it looks like the phoenix arising. But it's this fiery image of the silhouette of four horses. It's um, well drawn, but it just pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> so irresponsible of him to do that. 
Well, then I'm guessing he is not your favorite Titan. Well, it's funny you should say that because... Oh, wait, wait I'm sorry. Do, uh, what was your favorite panel from the backup story? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Um, on uh, page 10 of the Superboy story is a, a panel in which I titled, Apples Away! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where Green Arrow accidentally shoots a tree branch and then swings from it and shakes the apples onto the bad guys. Uh-huh, knocking them off of their <laughs> horse. The flood of apples. That is pretty fun. He was trying to shoot an arrow over a tree branch, and he missed. He's really bad. He's the worst. Probably not as bad as me. I was pretty bad at archery. Oh, we should try some archery. Yeah, I'm in. Okay. We should drink a lot first. Probably. <laughs> we should also fight some criminals. Oh, that's not going to go well. Corey, criminals are the worst. Yeah, but they're probably more experienced at actually fighting people. <laughs> okay, but they're a cowardly and superstitious lot. Maybe if we dressed up as furry animals. And carried bows and arrows. <laughs> yeah, I'd be intimidated. Yeah. All right, it's a deal. My favorite panel from the backup story is when Superboy is doing his sky advertising for the History Fest. Sure. And he's, yeah, towing the banner about the History Parade. Mm-hmm. And... Just a line of all of the costumes behind him, and it mm-hmm. looks really cool. As long as you realize they're not kids. Yeah, that's yeah, it looks cool either way. But yeah, you shouldn't you shouldn't tow kids behind your flying contraption unless you are alternate universe Baloo, who is in tailspin, and there's a kid who can uh, water ski behind your airplane. I don't want to get back into a tailspin. Okay, that's the wormhole that proves the rule. But God, that's such a weird show. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> who is your favorite Teen Titan? So I, I had two of them. Okay, because there's two stories. Sure. And uh, due to uh, our prior discussion, I'm relieved to say that Superboy, I, I can in this in this case. Yes, for I, I'm nominate. going to make him a honorary Teen Titan, and he is my favorite from the backup story as well. Glad to hear it. Although I will say, young Oliver Queen. I can't really make this as... He's dressed as a Teen Titan. Mm. He looks like Speedy. He does. He's got a really good attitude about the whole thing. He's got thing. a great attitude. He's like, I suck at archery, so... But I'm still, just... gonna, I'm still gonna try to fight crime. I'll just use arrows and bows. Yeah. Garrett, the... I'll, I'll just kill a horseman. <laughs> what? Yeah. I can't shoot him. Yeah. Uh, and from the, the main story, um, Mal... Um, oh. Because he says a couple funny... Okay, everybody does a bad job in this. Like, to me, nobody really stood out. Except for Kid Flash. Okay, yeah, and who, I'm going with Kid Flash. Who had the majority of the action, but then he fucked it up at the end by starting that forest fire. It just okay, really pissed me off. I getcha. Yeah, I, I can see that. And Mal got kicked by a horse, and then got up and said, Oh, I feel like I've been kicked by a horse. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> he did? Yeah. And Wonder Girl was like, That's because you were. He That's goes, oh, pretty really? great. So, kudos for him. For okay, good job, Mal. Yep. Yeah, I'm going with Kid Flash because he made a joke about a helicopter and he saved a uh, child's life. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I think is a good thing to do. He should not have started that forest fire. That's very irresponsible. <laughs> Did not like that. Speaking of favorite titans, what do you think Aqualad's probably up to? Ah, I'm glad you asked. Yes? Yeah. Well... So, Aqualad's been saving his pennies for quite some time. You know how he's got the lab that we talked about oh, before yeah, yeah, where yeah. he's doing his work? Right. So, one of the biggest uh, research roadblocks he has is the inability inability to um, to do uh, scientific calculations to mm. you know, figure out algorithms and curves and whatnot. 
And uh, it so happens that um, around this time, February 1972, the uh, first scientific calculator hit the market. He's getting himself a... HP 35. That's Damn. right. But he had to save his pennies because that was an... Uh, I don't know what that would be in today's dollars, but $1970, that was almost 400 bucks. Jesus Christ. Calculator. Yeah. That was probably... Let's see. Let me do some math on that. Uh, calculator weighs 700 pounds. Um, and I'm you, assuming that it's $900 an ounce. So that would be $37,000. That sounds accurate. <laughs> um, and uh, just as an aside, I don't know if you know this, but Kid Flash also is a big baseball fan. Kid Flash is? I'm sorry. Uh, Aqualad's a big base- baseball fan. Oh, of course I know that. Okay. Well, at least he purports to be. I don't think he really understands what baseball is, but he's trying to get Well, as with many things, you know, he, sure. he reads the paper, he listens to what the kids are talking about, and he tries yeah. to... To get into it, and uh, so he was really happy that I think it was the pitcher for the uh, the Washington Senators. It was finally uh, Lefty Gomez was the guy's uh, That's baseball a fun nickname. Name. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a fun name. It sure. was inducted into the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame that year. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> throw that out there. <laughs> wow, that is uh, quite a time for our young aquatic ace. Mm. He was having a very busy month, Corey. Because he was also... I think I shared this with you. It hasn't come out yet, but we're putting out a bonus episode this week. And in that one, we learn that previously, a couple months ago, Aqualad had been hanging out with uh, George Clinton and Funkadelic. Right, right. And, of course, inspired the character Sir Nose Devoid of Funk, who is the... uh, antithesis of Aqualad in every way. If you want to make a jerk character, you make him the opposite of somebody who you think is great. Sure. And so George Clinton naturally made him an evil character that is afraid of water. Right. And would never swim. No. He never could swim. No. Psycho Alpha Disco Beta Bio Aqua Dulu. At any rate, hanging out with George Clinton uh, opened Aqualad's eyes to a lot of things. He began experimenting with certain things. Uh, it reminded him of his uh, days back at uh, Woodstock. He yeah. accidentally got puddled with some of the... Uh, exactly. That stuff. And uh, decided to, you know, he needs to confront some of his previous fears. Mm. So he decided to go to... Is he going to Esalon? No, he's going to Japan for the 1972 Olympics. He hasn't been there since 64. When he had a very bad experience with uh, mm. the 64 Olympics in Tokyo. But the Winter Olympics are in Sapporo this year. Oh. So. He's just going to go to the Winter Olympics to confront his fears? Well, his fear of the Olympics, yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's got frozen snow, so he can hang out the whole time. He doesn't need to keep going back because he can just roll around in the snow. Sure. Which is a nice time for him. But being... <laughs> in the snow in the Olympics and having hung out with George Clinton a bunch mm. put him in the mind of a different kind of snow. Oh, shit. Hands yeah. Yep. Oh. So, uh, he headed down to Bolivia for a little bit. <laughs> Prior to the Olympics to stock up? Or? Uh, post the Olympics. It was very inspirational to him. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> it's like, man, there's a lot of snow up here. Yeah. I gotta, gotta get in on this. Mm. Mm, snow, that reminds me. Mm. I want to get wallied up. Mm. Which is what he calls it when he does amphetamines. <laughs> Wait, who? Uh, Wally is Kid Flash. I know, Wally. 
calls... Wait, who calls... Aqualad. Amphetamine's getting wallied up. Oh, because it makes him fast. I like Wally. I see. Yeah. Okay, I got you. He probably doesn't do that. But he decides he wants to experiment with different things, so he wants to try cocaine. So he goes to Bolivia, Mm -hmm. and while he's down there, he decides not to do cocaine after all. Mm -hmm. Mitch, good lesson. Learned an important lesson. But he, uh... Well, he's down there, he decides to do a little bit of Nazi hunting, and he locates Klaus Barbie. No shit. Yeah. So, you know, he had a very eventful month. I should say so. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Kind of makes me feel bad about how I spent my February. Mm. Actually, you know what? In February, I posted a podcast every day about a different first appearance of a black superhero in Bronze Age or Silver Age comic books. Not too shabby. I did okay this February. Yeah. Didn't didn't find any Nazis. No? Didn't buy any scientific calculators. That's true, but I also didn't do any cocaine. There you go. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> it has been a lovely time, and uh, yeah, you're great listeners. I love you very much. In an appropriate way. <laughs> if you would like to contact us, please do so. I would love to hear from you. Uh, we've gotten some very good feedback. Some of you pointed out quite accurately that for the past couple episodes, we have forgotten to do a favorite Titan. Um, that is on me. I apologize. Oops. Osvaldo pointed out and shared some pictures of, I had mentioned in the bonus episode that we recorded with my mom, that uh, I thought that the pictures of the ghetto, as it was depicted in Gotham City, looked like war-torn Europe post-World War II. And Osvaldo pointed out that actually there were parts of the Bronx that really did look like that and forwarded some pictures which are just like, wow, that is crazy. So you guys should totally go look at pictures of the Bronx in the 70s because that shit is crazy. And thank you, Osvaldo. Yeah, if you'd like to contact us, please do so at ttwasteland at gmail.com. Check out the Tumblr page. Leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, If you want to donate us money, that's a nice time. Nice time for me. It's patreon.com backslash ttwasteland. Thank you so much for joining us. I'll uh, do a uh, throwback tagline. I get to live another hour. Mm. Enjoy. Enjoy in And they know it. That was fun. Did you hit the button? Oh, no, I should.